Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is a Seven West Media podcast. Grief is a long and arduous journey that most men seem to take on their own. It doesn't have to be that way. I'm Alex Cullen, and welcome to Being Dad. In part one of this two-part series on grief and bereavement, we spoke to Dustin, a dad who just two years ago lost his beloved Chloe to the cruel clutches of brain cancer. People talk about uh, the you know, about having children. Obviously, you've got children yourself. People talk about... Um, when a baby's born, about the the honour and the responsibility of bringing a, a a life, of bringing a child into the world. Yeah. But there's probably very few people that ever consider the, I guess you would call it the responsibility in having to try and guide one back out. It's not, you can't just, yeah. you've got to know when, when to stop sometimes, and that's hard. Mm. Uh, and sometimes you don't have that choice. Sometimes it's okay. This is the point where we can't do anything else. And you, you know, you sit down with an oncologist, and they say, "Well, you know, she's going to die. There's nothing we can do. It's just a matter of how we want to do it. Where do you want to be? What do you want to do? Um, you know, it's. But yeah, no, it, nobody really considers. Yeah, there's there's a lot of people discuss bringing a child into into the world, but when you've got to try and Try and do the right thing, getting sort of uh, guiding one back out of life. It's it's it doesn't really compare to anything. Like there's nothing. No. You know, there's a lot of things you do in life where you, you've got to make decisions. You think, oh, yeah, well, I learned something from that other uh, unrelated unrelated experience that I can kind of draw on and it might help me with this decision. Mm. There isn't really, as far as I found, there's nothing that compares to it. No. I, I... We also spoke to dad of four, Brett Kamali, about his experience of looking after his four girls on his own after his wife, Shani, passed away. And then, yeah, so then, um, unfortunately, yeah, passed away March 2017. Uh, the girls were, it was overnight. Um, I sat in the room for a little while, for waiting. I sort of woke up early and, I don't know, it's an eerie feeling. I don't know if you know or don't know. Um, and then obviously you had to wait for all the girls to wake up and bring them into the room and when I talked to them that their mother had passed away. What struck us about both of these blokes and my own experience with grief is that none of us have ever asked for help. I remember when Dad passed away in February last year from brain cancer. He fought, well, he tried to fight brain cancer for nearly 18 months, actually. The grief, the ups and downs, the... Uh, I remember when he was first diagnosed, he was sort of dragging his leg and he couldn't remember certain things. He wasn't doing his crosswords when we realised, hang on, there's something wrong here. 
And I just got back from Morocco, a story, and I had uh, my sister and brother over, and my youngest, my other brother was out at home, and um, mum rang and told us the news, and uh, I'll never forget the the cries and the the shock. Uh, our life had been turned upside down, and uh, then that started with dad going in and out of hospital, the treatments, and. Uh, and having a profound effect on on us and me, the eldest, as well. I guess I kind of felt a responsibility to kind of go in with mum and make sure that the, the, the others knew what was going on, as in my other siblings, um, and try and be a support. Yeah. And then after his first operation, he had a, another couple of operations with Charlie T.O., who was a huge, huge part of our family, and... He basically kept my father going for about eight months by cutting out um, the cancer from just above his left left ear on his brain and bought him time, bought him time to attend my wedding, bought him time to attend the births of, of grandchildren. Um, unfortunately, he couldn't stick around for the birth of our kids. Um, and what I would give for him to be able to hold my kids and... Um, yeah, it's uh, it's really upsetting, you know, to know that he he could um, could never see them, never meet them, and um, and they could never meet their grandfather. It's hard, it's hard, it's hard, but it's a fact of life, unfortunately. And um, he passed away at home on the farm, which was a really, really special thing for all the family. He lay there in a bed, and he had we had carers come out to the farm, and yeah, he passed away at. Three o'clock in the morning, mum came in and woke me up and I went out and my brother was sitting there and then my sister and my other brother came out and we just held him and talked to him and enjoyed those moments, you know. As his spirit left us, his spirit left the farm and the, the sun came up and shined over his face and it was just a surreal, beautiful, special moment. I don't know if you've experienced it yourself, but... um there's something indescribable about that, about life. And, God, we come into the world and, and we go back out of it. Um, so wherever you are, Dad, I hope you're doing good. And um, we miss you. We miss you terribly. Anyway, um, that's enough from me. <laughs> grief, hey? Um, and speaking of grief, there's one man that deals with it a fair bit, actually, um, James Brown, actually, and uh, he's a clinical psychologist who has a special interest in how dads manage their mental health. We had James in, oh God, a while ago now, in one of our first episodes on postnatal depression, and we discovered as a fellow dad, he shares our passion for helping fathers be better at being dad. I asked him back today because he has a wealth of experience in talking to dads who have suffered loss. He sat down with dads just like Dustin, just like Brett, and was able to give us some really important guidance for anyone in a similar situation. Here's James. James, thanks so much for doing this. No, you're welcome. Pleasure. Yeah. Um, look, it's such a difficult, difficult topic, this, you know, the loss of a child, the loss of a partner. And uh, Jake and I have just been listening to these these dads and their stories, and it's it's emotional mm. to say the least. It's just so so hard. Um, but I wanted to ask you. I've been reading about 
well, it's been described as the ultimate tragedy, losing mm. a child. Would, would you agree with that? Yeah, I think that's a fairly accepted term um, in our society that a parent never wishes to outlive their child, no matter what age that is. And, and I think particularly for very young children, and, and I've worked with families that have lost children to things like cancer, and, uh, you know, sometimes uh, that, that'll be something that will always stay with them, the, the, the suffering of a young child and the loss of a young child, yeah. I don't know what else you can equate to it. Yeah, yeah. Just the the physical pain, I think, uh, which we, I didn't really know about. You know, you, you you hear about it, but just seeing Dustin, um, Dustin Perry, who lost his daughter, Chloe, uh, only just a bit over two years ago. Yeah, he he, he talked about this physical pain. Is, is that what you mm-hmm. see in these dads? I think uh, across the board, I would say people underestimate what psychological pain feels like psychological distress you know we often think and it's often described as being all in our head uh it was just rubbish it's very much physical um any psychological distress of particularly this kind of magnitude there is definitely something physical about it we feel it to the real depths of our of our core um and that can be a feeling that can last for, for quite some time yeah oh god a long time um and th- there is obviously grief uh, that comes with this terrible mm. grief. But mm. What other emotions are there that, that come with it? Well, just when we think about grief, um, we, we acknowledge um, the work of Alan Kubler-Ross um, many years ago that described grief in a cycle. Mm. And so a cycle of emotions that include things like anger and depression. And, and obviously there's the initial shock uh, when we first hear of, you know, the, the, the tragic news of losing somebody or, or the tragic news of somebody being diagnosed with a, a terminal illness. Mm-hmm. And so those are probably the, the strongest of emotions that people go through during that cycle. And for men in particular, it often manifests as anger. Um, it seems to be the emotion across the board that we're, we're more comfortable to express. Um, but what men don't talk enough about um, is the experience of the, of the depressive element of that cycle and what that feels for them is, is quite overwhelming. Yeah, and there's also anger. There's a sense of injustice too, isn't there? Why yeah, did this um, have to happen to us? Yeah, absolutely. And particularly in, in, in that cycle of grief, um, it's never a one-stop shock. You know, we go through anger, then we go through bargaining, then we go through depression. It's not like that. Certain things can throw us a little bit backwards. So we might be travelling along okay and we're caught up in the crisis, let's say, and just managing the crisis, but then something will really throw us backwards a bit in our in our sort of psychological healing in this and you know we'll be back in let's say injustice we'll be going you know why did this happen to me i didn't deserve it you know we're healthy we lived a good life and all those sorts of things um and yeah it can be a troubling experience going through that yeah because yeah there's no textbook is there there's no kind of uh, everyone's different everyone has their own unique experience don't they yeah, 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 exactly. You, you know, as much as we talk about things like grief cycles and the human reaction to grief and, and all the rest, we, we must acknowledge the individual story. Mm-hmm. And actually that's something really important for any you know, dad uh, who's going through something like this, whether they've lost a spouse mm-hmm. or a child, um, uh, is to understand that it's their own individual story and what, what are they going to make meaning of from this story for the rest of their life? How are they going to try to create a new narrative of their life beyond this critical event? That's where they need, you know, some help perhaps to do that and to see that, that that's their challenge is to find a new story and not get stuck in the grief. Yeah, because especially with, 
other kids, you know, when they've got other kids to look after, after mm. you, it's about surviving, isn't it? And it's about being yeah. there for them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, that that would be a very difficult experience. I must say, I, I would find that challenging to still be trying to raise other children with joy and optimism um, as a parent while you're, you're suffering with such loss. Yeah. Are there are there some myths about grief? Um, you know, I think I read one where you know don't cry um, or or you know be be strong and and ignore the grief and it'll get better. Yeah, that's a great question because that's actually the problem. Yeah. All right, and so um, there are some myths that persist. Uh, there's a real cultural problem with our experience and expression of grief in Western society, and. Uh, what that cultural problem is is some of those messages um, that we, in our experience of grief, you know, we have this idea that it's almost like a week or two. You know, somebody passes away, they go through those initial stages, we get them ready for burial, we have a ceremony at a you know funeral hall or a church and we bury them and we dab our eyes with tears and whatever and then bang, some people, particularly blokes, are straight back to work a few days later. And they're straight back into life. And we've stopped as a society um, celebrating grief as a ritual. You know, when we think of ancient societies and some of them still exist in our world and when we look at the way that they work through grief, mm. grief, grief is a, a celebration. Grief is a, a ritual or a passage that the whole family group or community works through. And that if you, if you don't, if you were to in some way not acknowledge that loss of that community member and some of these other civilizations or societies, that would be disrespectful. Yes. And, and in a Western society, we've got, it, we've got into a hurry, you know, where we need to just squish it all down and, and you'll feel better if you get on with life. Mm-hmm. And, in fact, the opposite is true, that there needs to be some kind of ritual experience and expression of the grief and the loss of a loved one. Uh, a celebration of their life, an expression of your feelings about the loss of that person. And that doesn't have to be the same for everybody. Some people do it differently. Some do it with words. Some do it with physical acts, you know. Um, but that will be a more healing process for them and they'll be better off for the future of it. And, yeah. and guys especially need to hear that message because we fall into that real trap of, you know, the best way to get through it is to suck it up and move on and, and that's actually proven to be very, very inaccurate. And yeah, and that's not just at the funeral. You know, like this is days and weeks afterwards, right? You know, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Block block out a period of time in your life and accept the fact that this is a moment in your life that you really need to allow yourself to feel and to work through whatever's going on for you. Be angry sometimes. Feel depressed sometimes. Feel sadness and let it sit there for a while. Don't don't rush it past because it needs to be there. It's a natural reaction to a very very critical event. That is great advice because I've I've seen dads come back to work pretty early after something like this. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's a good idea. Hey, um, not at all. Some get some dads, as you know, will sometimes lose uh, children um, in that really early stages, like uh, mm. a stillbirth or something like that. And you know, um, the mother is usually encouraged to take some time to absorb that and that impact. Mm. And the dad usually, in, in what I've witnessed. Um, very quickly is back at work trying to get on with things. And it's like, no, honour that. It's it's a troubling process to work through. Give it a little bit of space. Great advice. Wow. Nice. Yeah. 
What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Yeah, some dads we spoke to just haven't gone to get that help. Uh, mm. I asked them, have they been to see a counsellor? And the answer was no. Um, mm. But uh, should they have got help from a professional? I, I guess it's an every, everyone's individual right, but, you know, I, I thought it would be a good idea, surely. Yeah, absolutely. Let, let's um, demystify a few things here. So mm. a lot of guys can be troubled about the idea of seeking help in the first place. So we know that that's a little bit of a difficulty and that they see counselling as an indication of weakness. And with this, this is the thing we're going to demystify. If we look at our upbringing, you know, our cultural background, so to speak, uh, let's go back hundreds of years rather than just 100 years, and there has always been people in our groups, in our community groups, that you would go to to talk through and seek wisdom from. In, in uh, cultures, we've called them chiefs, we've called them uh, priests, we've called them, you know... Um, shamans. Shamans, all those sorts of things. And there was always an acceptance, man or woman, that that was a good thing for you to do. Mm. So if we just demystify it completely and say that is a lot of the good of counselling, is the person that is there, they're, they're the wise head in our community with their training and their experience, to help be a guide through some of the um, unfortunate events that pop up into our life and that it is actually something that can be uh, strengthening and, and growth can come from it. And I've um, had many men that I've seen that have said that initially they were reluctant, but when they push through that shadow of, of, of mysticism around this idea and came along, uh, they never wanted to stop. Once they saw the value of having that type of a relationship in their life, uh, they actually didn't want to let go of it wow. because it's it's actually a natural relationship. Now it doesn't have to be a professional, you know, like it's one option. But is there you know other people in, in in your life that you can see as being somebody that can help you to gain strength through a difficult time and to grow through a difficult period? I've had people in terms of losing someone to something like cancer. Uh, spouses or children I've, I've worked with people through those experiences I had a really interesting experience that I've always remember where a client came to me after I'd been working with them for some time and I'd recommended them to make contact with the cancer council because the cancer council has a lot of good support services and this person did that and they were receiving um, uh, counseling through that process from a volunteer that had been through something very similar and this client came back to me and said, James, is it okay if I pause our work together 
while I do this work with this person from Cancer Council because I'm finding it really helpful. They really get me. And I was like, absolutely, Great. go for it. Yeah. Brilliant. Because that's exactly what you're needing to find is a relationship that helps you to be able to do that. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I think a lot of people, me included, you, you, you start to get amongst the um, those charities that, and, and to raise funds for, for cancer research because when you're doing that, you feel like you're, you're doing some good, but you're also around people that, are going through what you're going through? Yeah, that have felt the same pain. That have felt the same pain, which is yeah, quite, which is quite nice actually. Very strengthening, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, what about support groups too? Um, plenty of those out there we can join. Yeah, there there are. Um, you sometimes have to hunt around a little bit, and it depends on the nature of the the, the tragedy that you've experienced. Yeah. Um, you know, as to what support groups are out there. I mentioned the Cancer Council before as a, as a specific example because, you know, that, that, that's quite a broad range. You know, cancer, cancer affects many of us in, in our society at some point in life um, and they do have a good support service um, across the, the lifespan um, and they also can help to connect into many different other services that can be a good support as well. And, um, you know, that, that'd be worthwhile people to look into those sorts of options. Yeah. And do you see it affecting marriages too? It would have an enormous impact on marriages too, right? The, the loss of a child particularly can be a, 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 like a massive strain on a relationship and sadly it can be a breaking point for a relationship. And I, I think we can understand how difficult it would be for a couple to move on together um, with such a hard sort of uh, story in their, in, their, in their background. So couples certainly can sometimes need support um, to work through the loss of a child, um, particularly because of its impact on their relationship, and that's something they should also consider. Yeah. Um, will it get better? I I think so. I, I've seen it get better in the time dads? that I've been in the career. Uh, I, yeah. I, I, I certainly can say that from the stories of, of what I've worked with professionally, absolutely, um, you know, that people can uh, overcome uh, tragedy. We, we see so many wonderful stories, and, and people need to take, take heart from these stories um, that people can uh, overcome these challenges. And sometimes it can enrich their life. You know, sometimes it can give them a deeper sense of compassion for things that they've never even thought of or felt before. Uh, sometimes it can cause them to um, treasure the relationships that they have mm. uh, and to see the importance and, and the value of, of those things. Um, I, I know certainly that that's been my experience uh, when I've had a, uh, my grandfather was uh, somebody that I lost to cancer and, you know, yep. to see the, see the grandchildren and children come together and want to celebrate this life, his life, but also the lives of all those others that they then treasured and valued even more so, um, yes. that, that's where, where it can be a real growing point in people's lives. Yeah, keep that memory going. Uh, I know mm. with Dad, we we do that. It's it's wonderful, and uh, yeah. and that's yeah. that's what Dustin said. He said, "I I, I want to keep her memory going," and and it was just so lovely to hear him talk about her and, and the time that they actually did have with her. Absolutely, yeah. If you Cherish think that. about it, yeah, if you think about it, this is where we truly can achieve immortality, isn't it? Mm. That when our stories are carried on from one generation to the next, and so when people are told the wrong kind of message. You know, don't talk about it. You know, it just hurts to talk about it. So just shut it all off. You're actually denying that opportunity to carry on a person's story through the generations that can be impactful 
to to that family posterity. Absolutely. Um, and just yeah, what what ways can we take care of ourselves if, for those dads out there? I, I guess a, a good one to to remember is you're not alone. Um, but yeah, what 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 ways do we can we take care of ourselves if if if, if we're going through something like this? So, yeah, I'd certainly um, emphasise what you just said. Social support is very, very important um, and it doesn't have to be talking about it all the time, right? Sometimes it's like that, rubbing the shoulder of another person that you know, you know has got your back and you're just in their presence and you're enjoying the strength that comes from their kind of company. Uh, social support is, is underrated. We're now finding so much evidence to support it almost as like a prescription for psychological distress better than any pill that you could ever be offered for psychological distress. So I'd emphasise that. The second thing that I'd emphasise in terms of your responses to it, so let's just go back a step and note that our response is often unhealthy, right? Particularly as men, evolutionarily, we've survived because of our ability to tolerate pain and to squish it down somewhere while we, you know, run back out into the battlefield with half a limb hanging off. Right, mm. so there's something truly um, about our survival instincts that's enabled us to somehow tolerate pain while getting back on the battlefield. That's all well and good for physical pain. You know, that's a sometimes a necessity to be able to do that, to have that response. But with an emotional pain, it's not the same. Emotional pain has got to have that time and space. You've got to stop and you know give that knock to the whatever you want to think of metaphorically speaking. Uh, the rub that it needs, give that pain that little bit of a rub, um, give it its time, don't try to squish it down. Uh, the, the more you try to fight with it and struggle with it or struggle against it, the more likely actually that it's going to prolong and, and that unhealthy process within grief where people get stuck is more likely by the fact that you haven't stopped to just to give yourself compassion. Yeah, And, and that would be, um, if you think of it along those lines, how, how would I truly be kind and compassionate to myself in this moment? What, what would I do if I was to take that attitude towards myself? I would take a little bit of time off work. I'd pull back on some extra activities that are stretching me a bit too far. Um, maybe I would take that you know, brief holiday and just go camping and, and just get out in nature a bit and just mm. give myself some time and space. That's a compassionate response. Give yourself some time and space. Great advice. Mm. Uh, you're always a wealth of uh, great advice, James. Thank you so much, mate. This has been wonderful. Um, we really appreciate your time and uh, it's just wonderful to talk to you again. No, thanks. And thanks again. Uh, great for you to have these uh, challenging conversations with some yeah. of these men. Uh, it's really brave of you guys to be doing that. So mm. Thank you because it will open up some stories uh, that others will tell um, by doing that. So that's great. Good stuff. Thanks so much, James. No worries. Kind and compassionate to yourself. I'll be honest, I don't think that is a phrase I've ever thought to use in a relationship with myself. Be kind to yourself, though. It makes sense, doesn't it? Um, I think what James said speaks for itself, and it isn't a weakness after you have lost someone you care deeply for, whether it's a child or your partner, to get some help. You know, um, I'm not saying that seeing a psychologist is the only way. Of course it's not, and it's up to the individual, you know. Um, I'm not here to preach. I'm not here to tell you what to do. We're just here to tell you or give you some tips and advice. And um, I just think it makes sense to to share that feeling you are having with someone who is prepared to listen, um, if that is what you'd like to do. 
We hope these last two episodes have been of use to you. And if you have been affected by anything we've been talking about and are looking to reach out and get some help, please contact Griefline 1300 845 745. That's 1300 845 745. Or Lifeline Loss and Grief 13 11 14. And if you know anyone who's suffered from a bereavement you think might benefit from listening to this podcast, Please share it with them, and we really hope it can make a difference. There are great resources and details about what we've covered on our show notes, and if you want to send us a message, please go to our Being Dad with Alex Cullen Facebook page. We'd love to get your feedback. And don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And before I leave you, a quote from a famous dad. He's pretty famous, this one. Uh, and it's President Barack Obama. Former President, I should say. If only he was back in, eh? Anyway, any fool, he says, any fool can have a child. That doesn't make you a father. It's the courage to raise a child that makes you a father. Thank you, Barack, for that absolute pearl of wisdom. Very true indeed. And uh, hope you enjoyed the show, and I will talk to you again next week. Thanks for listening to Being Dad. This was a Seven West podcast. The producer is Jake Taylor. Nikki Hamilton is our executive producer. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.